You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D. What's up, man? Oh, same old, same old. Just another beautiful fall in the Montreal area. Yep, until the, the rain comes tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's really going to suck for all the uh, all the Halloweenies out there, you know, doing trick-or-treating and whatnot. So. I thought most of Montreal canceled, ha- canceled Halloween. <laughs> We can only be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got to worry about it in my buildings. I'm okay. I, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just ticked that the uh, uh, the clocks change this weekend. <laughs> oh man! Why? You get an extra hour, which yes. you'd be sleeping through. <laughs> but yes, but also it, it it is also a reminder that winter is coming, and that leaving, and then that. The sun will set, and you'll be out in the dark by four forty-five, five o'clock. This is true. This is true. So the days are going to get longer, or shorter, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Until it changes at the spring solstice. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but it was a very gorgeous day to see Montreal Alouettes football on Saturday. Uh, I will take that day any day compared to the compared to the last home game. It was just absolutely stunning. Lucky enough to ha- have upgraded my seats for the second time of the year. Um, but the, I, but then remembering, oh yeah, it's possibly it's a meaningless game. Let's see how much how long everybody plays. But uh, it, it is what it is. I you know it's. I, I always feel that the team owes us something, especially those years. Like, like I feel, I feel for the fans that are taking the, the the fan bus to Ottawa on on Friday to go to Ottawa for a meaningless game. You know, it's almost like as if you want to have your your money given back to you, but you know that's not, you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I mean, it'd be very cool if the Alouettes decided, hey, you know what? You're awesome enough to come along on this last game and be a part of it and everything. How about we just refund your money? Come, 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 enjoy the game on us. But uh, we know that's definitely not happening. Well, <laughs> saving money is, is the pie. Hey, speaking of saving money, this is totally off topic. Did you see that the Edmonton Eskimos are doing a two-day online special for season tickets besides the early bird deadline? No, I did not see that. Yes, for it was today and tomorrow. The Eskimos are offering another percentage off on season tickets. Wow. I was like, wow, when's Montreal going to come up with that idea? Well, they've already got your money, so. I already got my money, but yes. Hey, you know what? At least it's better than getting a refund this year on our playoff ticket, because we know in uh, two weeks' time, my friend, we will be sitting under the November sun, hopefully. Okay, we'll say sky. Sky for the first playoff game, home playoff game in Montreal since a while. Five long years. 
since we've seen a playoff football game here in Montreal. So, yeah, you'd forgive me if I'm just a little bit excited at the prospect of that. Mm-hmm. And I and I know you are too, Tim. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think it's safe to say that you and I are both very excited and are waiting with bated breath. And it's almost unfortunate that you still have this one last game versus Ottawa to get through. And you just want everybody to go and play the game and stay safe and don't get hurt. And can we just get the playoffs started already, for crying out loud? I mean, uh, that's just... Uh, let's let's get us to 10 wins first. Because obviously with the loss this week, we did not get to 10 wins. No, we did not. Unfortunately, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats decided that their record of... Uh, 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 14 wins was more important than resting their starters and decided uh, yeah. to take advantage to ter- take advantage of the Alouettes playing smart and resting their starters, mm-hmm. most of their starters. And yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, the uh, Hamilton Tarkas did walk out of Percival Molson victorious against our Montreal Alouettes. Yep, yep, by a score of 38-26. Uh, I was, you know what, I, and this is not bitter, uh, sour grapes in any way, shape, or form, Cliff, but I am, I am, Hamilton is so damn lucky that their starting quarterback, Dane Evans, did not get hurt. Why they kept him in the entire game is completely beyond me, because if he goes down, I'll dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I mean, and this is a team that's already had to watch their starting quarterback go down to injury in Jeremiah Masoli, losing him for the year with a torn ACL. Uh, it's, and you and I both agree. Like, I think uh, you know the 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 Tiger Cats are playing with we're playing with fire by keeping Evans in for the entire game. Like, yeah. I understand I can understand him starting kind of like what Vernon Adams did. You know, start pat your stats a little bit. That's fine. At least keep keep things moving a little bit. But then at some point. Whether you got the lead or not, I mean, again, this game has literally no effect on the standings whatsoever. Literally no effect. <laughs> it had like, none. Basically, what teams are going for are, are team records or trying to get the 10 wins. Yeah, or, or trying to pad your stats, as I said. Or if you've got that bonus for playing X number of games in a season kind of thing, I get it. But then once you've reach that or once the team has a lead or some even if they weren't leading like at some point if you're the head coach like isn't it in your best interest to keep your your stars safe and sound well yeah we and we could you know what uh, we could ask that question of the alouettes too but before before we get to that i want to at least let everybody know that as everybody knows that the the cfl uh, each team in the cfl announced their nominees uh for their awards this year and we happen to have uh, our uh, one of our nominees who is going to be on, uh, and that will be that interview will be uh, in a, a a little while. Just a quick teaser. Nails, I didn't tell everybody who it was, uh, so it could be one of the few. One of the few will be on the show tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, even the Owls, I, I, it you know they kept Gino in. He got to his thousand yards, and both of you and I were speculating on what was going to happen. And he st- basically stayed in for the entire game. And I got a feeling that may have been because Quan Bray actually came down with a slight body, I think a lower body injury, and they and then pulling him out mm-hmm. because you know the the Owls were they were kind of they were kind of short on uh, on wide receivers this past week with all the players that they decided not to play. Mm-hmm. And it was good to see Chris Matthews get back into the lineup and become a part of this offense again. Yeah, yeah. definitely happy to see that. I mean, especially too, like especially when you have a Quan Bray go down to injury or just being taken off as a precautionary measure. And I have a feeling it was more that than anything else. Uh, yeah, just see Chris Matthews get back in there and you know find that form again was 
I was very happy to see that. And uh, then you've got guys like Jake Winecki and uh, uh, again Gino Lewis uh, getting his uh, thousand yard uh, rece- thousand receiving yards for the season was yeah. definitely uh, nice to see as well. Along with uh, William Stanback the week before yeah. getting a thousand rushing yards. Yeah. So uh, you know this this offense. I mean they've they got some weapons here, which is is great and nice to see these guys reach these uh, milestones. It's always uh, always fun to have that little feather in your cap, especially going into your first playoff game here in Montreal in five years. Oh yeah, always nice to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, but the, I mean, I you know the game was at one o'clock start. As I said, it was it was absolutely perfect. Um, it was uh, wow. It was I thought it was warmer than nine degrees at kickoff. Um, but you know, all year the Alouettes have been struggling the first half and and do well in the second. Well, this this was yuck. polar opposite. It was just it was yuck. <laughs> And I I know I went I went away frustrated, but it's it's funny the couple of days since the game I've just completely calmed down so I I, <laughs> I don't know what that I I mean I was ticked off I mean you only you only score five points in the second half yeah that's a that's a bitter pill to swallow <laughs> so I mean but still the crowd came out I mean seventeen thousand two sixty four showed up that's that's amazing it's more than the last uh, the game last week that's good yeah, to see. I- and again, for a quote-unquote meaningless game. Yeah, yeah. I, I was worried there at the very beginning of the game, seeing the crowd, but it, it did finally fill in, so it was nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Vernon Adams, as we saw, he he, he just went to – he didn't go that long. Um, but, I mean, he has some milestones coming up this uh, – possible milestone this week, but the question is will he actually be in that long in order to get that milestone of 4,000 yards? Mm-hmm. Um, probably not. Um but uh, you know, as I said, it was it was a game. It really was a throwaway game. Even though, uh, as fans like ourselves, we we do take it, we try to take it as seriously as possible. Because you know, I think I I just want I wanted the team to win ten. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's really what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, again, I, the Tiger Cats, the Tiger Cats dodged a bullet. They they really did. They uh-huh. really did. And I, I'm guessing too. And this is what a lot of people have said as well. Is that Let's face it, the Tiger Cats aren't going to be playing a meaningless football game for another month. Really, truly. Like, yes, they, they played the Alouettes this past Saturday. They're playing the Argos uh, this weekend. After that, they're off for a week, and then they face the winner of the Eastern semifinal. So, I mean, like, you're, you're talking about a good month before playing a game that actually matters. So, in a sense, I kind of get why guys like Dane Evans and Brandon Banks were still in the game. But at the same, And, yes, they were able to, you know, rack up some pretty impressive numbers – for them and that's great for them but i mean yeah it, it did, did feel like they were playing with fire with that and also too they were also able to gang up on the fact that the alouettes were deciding were deciding to put in some of their uh, backups as well or their second stringers and it showed I, it, it really showed like you 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 got to see just how stacked the tiger cats are and they are definitely a very good football team but the one thing i came away with more than anything else was for a good while there the Alouettes were still hanging around with the, this team, still playing with their backups, playing against Hamilton starters for the most part. They were hanging pretty good, and I was pleasantly surprised about that. Yes, I'm disappointed that the Alouettes didn't get their their tenth win and didn't send home the uh, the fans on a happy note. But you know that's football sometimes. I just came away thinking to myself, you know what, this Hamilton Tiger Tats team is very good, but so are these Montreal Alouettes. Like this is a team that is built. They've got depth, and I guarantee, like if the Alouettes do make it to the Eastern Final, which I have a very good feeling they will, you're not you're not going to be facing the the, the Tigers are not going to be facing that team that they faced this past Saturday. Exactly, you're getting all of Vernon Adams, 
you're getting all of William Stanback. You're getting all of John Bowman, Tommy Campbell, a lot of the guys that were only played sparingly or didn't even bother playing at all. But you are getting all of those guys. And let's just see how that game works out as far as I'm concerned. I think uh, it's going to be a much different story in Hamilton about a month from now if the Alouettes do make it to the Eastern Final. Well, we were talking about, too, is that uh, what type of teams would come out and would they be vanilla or something like that? And, you know, some people think, oh, well, the Tiger, depending on which podcast or, or, or radio show you listen to, you know, the, the Tiger Cats are going to either, uh, were they either going to take it easy or they're going to smash the Owls. Uh, I, I would put this right in the middle, but I still think that this is something, considering how, considering how chippy it got at the end of the game and for Patrick Levels to get ejected, um, the Alouettes are going to remember. They will. It may be a meaningless game, but if they do make it to the Eastern Final, by God, they will remember what happened. Mm-hmm. So, and and again, none of this team really needs motivation or something to get fired up over. But yeah, I could definitely see them remembering back on this past Saturday and remembering. I don't want to call it disrespect necessarily, but maybe being taken for granted just a little bit. And again, I just want the, the Tiger Cats, I, I think these Tiger Cat players have to know and have to respect the fact that, okay, yeah, we beat these Alouettes and in their house, and that's good. But we didn't get all of them. And the Eastern Final, we are going to get all of them. And they better be ready. That's the only thing I have to say is be ready because this Alouettes team is for real. Mm-hmm. This is a very good football team. And if you sleep on them for even just a second, it's not going to be a good look for you guys. Yeah. Um, speaking of vanilla, you know, last week we mentioned that we thought that both these teams were going to just going to go, uh, easy peasy and not really show anything. Uh, I tell you, dude, uh, I don't think anybody, even, the, even the, the cats coaches or even the, the guys up in the booth expected the Alouettes to start off that the play, their first offensive drive with a, uh, with a flea flicker or a halfback, halfback option, whatever, whatever. Ha- yeah. Yeah. I, no, but I don't think anybody expected that to come, especially from uh, from Jake Winnick at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talked about uh, who should have been playing quarterback for the Alouettes. And, of course, <laughs> Vernon Adams was going to start. And I had a feeling we'd see Matthew Schultz and possibly even Antonio Pipkin in the game. Never in a million years, though, did I think we'd see someone other than any of those three guys throw a pass. But lo and behold, Jake Winnick, he, he can now say that he has completed a pass in the Canadian Football League. So kudos. Good job. Yeah. It was a bit of a wobbly duck, but you know what? Not bad. Not bad. And Quan Bray came back to the ball, made the catch, and uh, moved the chains. And at that point, just to catch everybody napping, just that little element of surprise, you can't ask for much more than that. So uh, good job, Jake. Good job. Yeah, I think so, too. But I think from there, it was it was pretty – from there, it was pretty vanilla. <laughs> uh, it, it was actually a surprise, too, because, you know, we were wondering what it was going to be like for the – for the the roster changes and, and uh, roster moves and stuff like that, um, I, I don't think that um, that we expected to have our normal uh, kick returner in the backfield, did we? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but uh, I say this: the Salawets team, they they will surprise you. Yeah. Okay. I, I, how did we miss that one? By the way, Dude, were we just not watching? I think so. I, I <laughs> for once I know for us to say that we weren't watching the actual rosters itself, it was like I, I don't I don't see how uh, how we missed that that, that uh, Shakir Ryan was activated again. Yeah, I well again I think when it comes to the return game, I mean it's been it, 
it's been, I don't want to say inconsistent, but I mean, like it's been consistent for a couple of games and then there's a change, due to, whether it's due to injury or for uh, any other number of reasons. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden we're back with Shakir Ryan after Mario Alford does a phenomenal job in, oh, yeah. in, his, afferns, in his absence. Uh, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's uh, Gone are the days when you expect to see Stefan Logan get his five yards per carry <laughs> you know, day in and day out, uh, much to our, our dismay. Uh, to have an explosive player like Mario Alford there, and then knowing that Shakir Ryan, who himself too has been very explosive at times, back there and uh, returning kicks. I mean, talk about an embarrassment of riches. Like to have op- those two options is is phenomenal, and I'm really glad that the Alouettes are able to do so and really able to uh, you know just sort of flex their muscle a little bit in the special teams. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nice to see him back and kind of kind of explain with some of the changes that they made in the on the roster too. So. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so Vernon Adams, he was 11 of 14, uh, for 142 yards and interception interception. Jeez. And, oh, yeah. and, and, and two TDs. Uh, that was, that was when they were driving too. Um, but the thing is though, he still had it. He still, for the short period of time that he was and that, that just a quarter and a bit, he had a very, very good game. Uh, as you said, it makes you wonder what it would have been if he would have stayed in the, for the rest of the game. Matthew Schultz finished up the game. He was uh, 12 of 21 also for 142 yards, an interception, and a, t- and a TD. Um, and it's funny, too. Again, uh, not a single rush by Vernon Adams. <laughs> no, it's surprising that he was more or less a pocket passer this past Saturday. That's true, not, yeah. Not really moving his feet too, mo- too well, uh, not, uh, you know, trying to do his uh, Houdini impression by trying to escape trouble. But, uh, you know, he, he just stood in there and he made his throws. He made his reads. And, uh, again, just for the, aside from that one interception by Simone Lawrence, uh, he played a pretty solid uh, ha- uh, quarter in a bit of football. Yeah, and this is this is the Vernon Adams who we thought at one point had a chance of tying or breaking Doug Flutie's record for uh, for touch, rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. Uh, in a single season, uh, unless he get in the first two, or unless he stays in long enough to get two uh, this week, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna gonna surpass surpass uh, Doug. It maybe uh, that record may be safe again for another year. <laughs> so, um, good thing. Uh, even though we had, um, uh, even how, though having Jeremiah Johnson in there as our starting running back this week, he had a great game. Sixteen carries, one hundred and five yards, six point six average. We is it fair to say that in your opinion that we think that we had the best one-two punch in the CFO when it comes to running backs? Without question, I mean everybody focuses on William Standback as well they should because he is just a a terrific running back. But Jeremiah Johnson pretty much caught everybody by surprise. I mean even us like I mean when even when I still remember when the Alouettes announced that they were signing him in free agency. I'm like um okay. that's cool. <laughs> like I, 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 I got nothing against the guy. I, like, like, do do we really want another running back in his thirties? Like, I mean, like, the my, my first thought though was insurance policy. God forbid, Standback got hurt. If Ryder Stone got hurt, then obviously they're going to have to rely on Jeremiah Johnson. And my goodness, what a what a baller! This guy is a bona fide stud when it comes to the running back position. He he'll get in there. He's got wheels still. I mean, like like I said, once you hit thirty, usually for a running back, that's like the that's the the death knell. Like that's what that's when things start going downhill. But he is still running at a very good clip and just powerful too. Like he he takes a smack and he keeps on going. 
I mean, my goodness, like this guy is just so full of energy too. He's just, just having fun. Like he's just enjoying himself in Montreal. And that is great. Like he loves being a part of this team. And you can tell just the smile on his face afterwards. You can tell that he's just happy to be out there with his teammates and just enjoying being a part of this offense. It, it's awesome to see. I mean, William Stanback is definitely the man. There's no question about that. Like he does the kind of things that we haven't seen in a long, long time here in Montreal from the running game. But Jeremiah Johnson do not sleep on this guy at all. And again, despite the fact that he's in his thirties, he's still playing at a very good level. So yeah, I, I would feel very confident in saying that uh, the Alouettes definitely have potentially the best one, two punch when it comes to the running back position. Uh, receiving wise, uh, Eugene Lewis, as we mentioned before, reached a thousand yards for the first time in his pro career. Uh, was on seven receptions, a hundred yards. Uh, longest was a 32 yard scamper. Uh, from there, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh Jake Winicky had uh, 71 yards. Uh, Quan Bray had 60, Matt, Chris Matthews at 55. Uh, even, uh, Chris Amoa got into it. He got uh, two catches for 22 yards. Um, but it's, it, it uh, it, I said, it could, they kept Gino in the entire time. And I guess it was just because of the, of the Quan Bray situation, but, uh, yeah, which are able to escape. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, with, with not having any more in any more major injuries heading into next week. Mm-hmm. And really quick, uh, how about Gino Lewis with his uh, beautiful leap over the defender, all of Nick Lewis? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, is that Gino Lewis or Nick Lewis? Like, yeah. what a what a hurdle! Well yeah, it, done. <laughs> it was nice. I don't think anybody expected it. Uh, as no, you mentioned I, before, uh, Hamilton Captain Dane Evans, uh, much to our surprise and chagrin 379 yards uh and four tds uh most of them went to uh, uh speedy b um mm-hmm. who had a i think he had a career week 201 yards on 11 receptions three tds uh yeah, yeah he, like he always he always seems to get it up for these alouettes games i don't know what it is about the alouettes that just brings out the best in him but he comes to play nearly every single time. Like I can count on one hand the number of times the Alouettes have kept this guy, if not off the score sheet completely, but at least kept him honest. It, it doesn't happen very often, folks. I mean, this guy is a very explosive player. Uh, he's definitely in the conversation for most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. And this past Saturday was just a, a good example as to why. I mean, his first touchdown, I think it was, he just completely juked oh, yeah. Jarner Jones out of his shorts. Yeah, yeah. And took it to the house for 55 yards. I mean, unbelievable. And then he just scores another two touchdowns on top of that. Like he, he had himself a day. And hey, credit to him. I mean, I still, I was probably wouldn't have after like maybe the you know the first half. I probably would have told him to you know grab a seat and let uh, someone else uh, carry the load. But he, he was on a mission. <laughs> He's been on a mission all year. So uh, hey, hat, hats off to him. But I mean, it's as, as we talked about. This is. Uh, a dicey thing to do, especially if you're the Hamilton Tiger Cats, because God forbid if Banks gets hurt or Evans gets hurt in a, a game that, as we've stated on numerous occasions, means nothing. In so, and then you go to the defense, and it's funny you look at the defense, Cliff, and and you know you expect to see the Alouettes really high up there for tackles and stuff like that, and usually that is a bad sign. I know everybody says that it doesn't. If you have a lot of tackles, it's not necessarily a good thing. But nah, I'm, I'm on the fence about that. That thought there, Naj, um, Najee Murray actually led the team in tackles with six, uh, and then DJ Lalama had uh, had uh, had five. Other than that, everybody only had three, two, or one. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Bo Lacombo had four. Yeah, and uh, Bo also had a beautiful, beautiful interception of Dane Evans. Oh yes, yes he did. And Greg <laughs> Reed actually had the only sack of the day. Mm-hmm. 
Which is a nice sack too. Nice sack too. Oh yeah. Listen, this kid, this we, we've been talking about this guy all, all year. He's been a phenomenal player. He uh, like he has owned this defense. Like he has been a star in the making, and it's just been so much fun to watch. And Bola Combo, talk about like he has risen to the occasion. Like a lot of people weren't sure what exactly to make of him, especially when the LOS had signed Taylor Loeffler in free agency. But when Loeffler goes down. Bola Combo steps in, doesn't miss a beat, and he has just been phenomenal. Like, he has really made a case. Like, like come next season, the Alouettes are going to have to have a serious look at the the safety position and say to themselves, like, what do we do? We've got yeah. two two true studs at this position in Loeffler and in Lacombo. And the nice thing about Lacombo is, yes, he can switch down to weak side linebacker or something of like that, or he can drop back into the, uh, into the back into the secondary if absolutely needed. But I mean, like he's just been so good where he's played in the middle. It's just, I, I mean, like the Alouettes are really going to have to scratch their head, especially, and they're both national players too, Loeffler and Lacombo. So, I mean, what, what a great problem to have. No, no kidding. Uh, I mean, really, we've got two true defensive powerhouses at the safety position and they're both national. So it's not like you can bench one for the other necessarily. Like, what do you do? I mean, this this is just it's part of the fun of the ratio and just how how this Alois defense is going to operate. Well, that's like gonna, not 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 just the, the finish off this year, but looking ahead to next year as oh, well. It's going to make it, yeah, all the changes when it, you know that that that's going to be fun to talk about this off season, especially with the changes if they do keep it and not make a modification in saying that you can only have two quarterbacks. Oh, next year, that's that's gonna be interesting. Uh, we give our grades usually, and I don't know if we dare to d- d- dare give an asterisk for this week when we give the grades because you know, yes, the, yes, they lost, and I'm sure they were trying out some other people, and, and it, it wasn't necessarily the ones going up the entire time. Uh, so I, I guess is it fair to give an asterisk, or just they they or does that is that deserve for this week's game versus Ottawa? Uh, I would definitely reserve for this week's game against Ottawa or call it an incomplete because, yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm really curious to see who's going to be starting this game, not just the quarterback, but pretty much throughout the entire game, because you want to give guys rest. I get that. But at the same time, you want to keep now, Vernon was taking reps with the ones at least a little bit this week. So, <laughs> yeah. And actually, I spoke with Vernon after the game. And what I just I suggest simply suggested that I, I highly doubt we're going to see you next week against Ottawa. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm playing that game. If if the coaches let me, I'm playing that game. And he made it very clear. Like he he wants this. He wants to be in the lineup. He, not just not not. Well, there's a little bit of personal game, but he yeah. wants. Well, he wants to, to be there record, for his team. He wants to get his first four thousand yards and et cetera, and maybe get close to Flutie if that's possible. I mean, and he wants the ten wins too. I mean, oh yeah, not, for sure. No, for it, sure. it's but again, I, I and I love that. I love that competitive fire that's in him. Like the fact that he was indignant at, at the, just a suggestion. Hey, we're, you know, I, I can see the team giving you the day off. Like, well, I don't want the day off. I want to play. Like, that's, that's awesome. Like that, the fact that he's got that competitive fire in him. I mean, folks, I mean, what more can I say about this guy? I mean, we've, we've talked with him here on the show. We've had, we talk about him every week. I mean, he has proven himself time and again to be that quarterback. He is that guy that you want leading this team. And, my God, like just to know that he's got that attitude, that championship mindset already, that bodes extremely well for Alouette's nation because this guy gets it. He 100% gets it, especially after all he's been through in this league of all the trials and tribulations that he's gone through since he stepped foot in Canada. For him to be at this point and to want it as bad as he does, and you can see it in his eyes too, like he wants this so bad. And I tell you what, folks, 
if he doesn't get it, it won't be for lack of trying. I can tell you that no, right for now. Sure, for sure. Okay, so it, you know what? The way you're talking, I, I feel like I should give. I don't want to see. I don't want to give this team a, a failing grade in anything this week. I could give him an incomplete across the board. I, I just, you know, because is it really fair? Of course, it's not fair. And we've known for a couple of weeks now that this game itself was not going to mean anything. We know Hamilton was going to finish the, the regular season in first place. The Alouettes are going to finish in second place. We knew we were going to be hosting the Eastern semifinal. I mean, that's the thing. Like, and that's if you want to grade this match, we can grade it. But I mean, it, uh, I'm going with incomplete. I, I, you know what? All things considered, and again, this is not a knock on anyone or anything like that. Like a lot of the guys that played played hard. They did everything they could. Things didn't go the way that they wanted to, obviously, but. It wasn't for lack of effort. Like nobody took the day off. That's the one thing I, I will have to say yeah, is that true. nobody. That's fair. They get an like, a, they get an A for effort. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to talk about the the Alouettes nominations uh, uh, for the CFL uh, CFL awards. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that we are on social media. If you want to follow us, you can do so by heading on Twitter to at uh, Alouettes FL Deck. Over on Facebook, you can also check us out by uh, searching for Alouette's Flight Deck. And also, if you want to listen to uh, any of the archive of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast, you can do so by heading over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca. You can head over to Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Um, now, we want to talk about the, 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 the awards, but before we do, what we're going to do is we're going to speak with a gentleman who has been nominated for one of the awards uh, this year for the Alouettes. And so without further ado, Cliff, we are going to go and uh, uh, play our interview with wide receiver Jake Winnicky. Hey, and uh, with us this week is a gentleman who is becoming an up-and-coming star with the Alouettes. Uh, He has also been named Montreal's nominee for Rookie of the Year, wide receiver Jake Winnicky. Hey, Jake, thanks for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, wanna wanna ask you about your your uh, your nomination here in a couple of minutes, but wanna talk about your career in itself. Um, I mean, for for those who don't know, and by the way, you have to go watch it. I did it exactly today, getting used, getting ready for our interview. But just go check out Jake's uh, highlight reel for uh, when he was over at the uh, over at South Dakota State. Um, uh, he he. Uh, he he typified what the word uh, jackrabbit was. So, um, <laughs> um, Jake, what got you into football as a kid? Man, yeah, I think just ever since I can remember, I was playing football. My dad uh, loved football, put a football in me and my brother's hands. And I mean, I think we always just played since a young age. Ever since we could start playing organized football, we did and continued to just play throughout the backyard and throughout the uh, high school, college. And, and now I'm just blessed to be able to play it professionally. Was there anything, anybody in particular who you looked up to as a kid? Any particular player, coach, uh, any of that sort of thing? Um, I'm from Minnesota, uh, so I loved watching Randy Moss growing up. I mean, he was definitely um, one of my favorite players. Just, just loved it, trying to be like him, trying to make catches like him, and, and watching him play. I mean, I still watch a lot of his highlight tapes and different things now even. So, I mean, he's just definitely probably one of my biggest uh, football role models is as far as uh, the way that he plays the game. And then, I mean, I don't know, my dad, I mean, he spent a lot of time playing with us, coaching us. And so, I mean, he's a big, big key in that as well. And then my little brothers, um, just growing up playing with them, um, spent a lot of time, a lot of time training and, and playing pickup games with them. 
Now, when you were in high school too, Jake, you 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 were a star at Maple Grove Senior High School. You were a three port, a three sports star. Uh, it was I think football, basketball, and track. Uh, 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 sorry, track and field. What made you choose football specifically over those other two sports? Um, so it's funny. Ever since I was little, I always loved uh, football and basketball. Probably were my two favorites, and I never really knew which one I would play in college. And uh, just happened to get an opportunity to to play. Got a scholarship to South Dakota State for football, and it's my only offer for football and basketball. Uh, and so I was like, I better just take this. And up falling in love with it. Loved uh, my coach, Coach Stig. There was a great man, great Christian man, and uh, knew it's all good. If I went there, I would grow as a man and a football player. And so, I mean, I guess I just went with football, and uh, uh, it's turning out to work pretty good. Cliff. All right. Uh, now, you ended up at South Dakota State. Uh, being a Minnesota guy, uh, what made you go to South Dakota State? Was it uh, were you offered a scholarship, or was it just a chance to try something a little bit different? Uh, what, what led you to being a, a jackrabbit? Yeah, so it was my only offer out of high school. Um, so kind of made that decision a little bit easier, but like when I went on a visit, uh, really just fell in love with the culture and fell in love with the, the coach, great man, uh, great Christian man. And I knew that, um, I could go there and, and grow as a football player and as a man. So it just kind of just made sense to, to go out there, even though I would have loved to stay home, got to Minnesota or something. Um, but it really ended up being perfect, a great fit. And, uh, I definitely grew a lot as a football player and as a man. Okay. And obviously, uh, being drafted or you go in the NFL draft, uh, comes and goes all the rounds, and then you end up signing with your, so to speak, hometown team, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you said that was a dream come true. Uh, talk us through the process of being an undrafted free agent and just kind of the highs and lows that you go through, and then the whole process from the moment you get that call to when you get to camp. Yeah, I mean, I think just uh, going through as a Especially just watching the draft, and I watched the the whole draft, every draft, just kind of just waiting and uh, knowing there's a slight chance I could get drafted, kind of knowing it probably might happen after the draft to get picked up, and uh, kind of just seeing, um, continuing to see you're not getting picked, not getting picked, it's a lot of anxious, like, am I going to get a chance? Is somebody going to call? And uh, with all picks left, the Vikings called me and said, hey, if you don't get picked in these last couple picks, you want to be a Viking? And I was like, I want it for my whole life. <laughs> and so I uh, got to go there hometown team like you said uh stay close to family and uh play for the team that i've been been rooting for my whole life and players who i've been uh watching my whole life and just getting to know them uh and go through the off season and training camp and preseason with them uh was so much fun just a great organization with a lot of great people and, and players so i uh, definitely enjoyed my time learned a lot and i uh, really enjoyed every second all right now unfortunately you didn't quite make it to with the vikings uh do you still feel like you've accomplished like just be able to say that you were a part of the organization do you still feel like you accomplished it or is it still one of those things that i really wanted to be a player yeah i, I think it's definitely um i think from the outside you might think like oh you kind of even growing up you like, oh you kind of made it you played in the preaching all this but uh, i think when you're actually there you, you never really feel like you quite made it and that's kind of how i feel like i was like i wish i definitely would have made it and i still hopefully one day could see that happening, but um, but I'm definitely just grateful for my for my time there, and I think I definitely grew a lot. And it was tough getting getting cut, but um, now I have an opportunity to play here, and I'm just absolutely loving it. So, what many people may not know is that you actually do have a, you had a little bit of a, a CFL tie before you came to the Alouettes. Um, that you actually, I, 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 and we don't know how much time you you spent with him, but 
you and uh, former Eskimos wide receiver Brandon Zilstra were on the Vikings at the same time. Um, did did he? Were you guys too close in any way, or did he happen to tell you, or did you just swap stories between the uh, NCAA and and what the CFL was like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He's also from Minnesota, and we got to share that time with the Vikings and uh, worked out together. And uh, he's just a good friend of mine. We talked a lot about the CFL when he was there, so he was just telling me some differences and different things because I hadn't heard too much about it, I guess, uh, before that. And then actually, when I when I signed with Montreal, uh, he's one of the first people I called to just talk about him, and he, he gave me a bunch of different pointers, and uh, definitely been someone who's reached out to me throughout the season, encouraged me. And uh, um, he's just obviously a great player. I've watched his highlights and, and, and seen what he's been able to do um, in the CFL many times. And I'm following his career, reaching out to him as he's in the NFL. And uh, he's just a great man and obviously done amazing things um, on the football field as well. It seems, though, too, Jake, that both you both you and him are very similar in many ways. You know, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of balls up the middle. Uh, I mean, it, your size is almost the same as... As as Brandon does, um, I mean, it, what, it was one of the few things that Brandon mentioned to you before you uh, before you started with the Owls uh, that really has helped getting used to the Canadian Football League. I mean, he was telling me a lot about the the waggles and just kind of how to use that uh, to your advantage and different things. And I mean, he told me too. He's like, "Yeah, we do have similar bodies and styles of play and different things." Like, yeah, gonna, you're really gonna like it. It's just really good us. Um, big receivers getting to have a running start, getting to. Uh, kind of get uh, some momentum going before uh, the line of scrimmage and just kind of using that to your advantage to, to get open on routes uh, is definitely uh, helps out a lot. Okay. Well, uh, your next uh, professional stint after the Vikings was uh, with the Alliance of American Football, as short-lived as that was. Uh, you remember the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, talk to us about your uh, your brief career as a uh, Salt Lake Stallion. Yes, yeah, so I went to a time with Salt Lake uh, – Shortly after I got released from the Vikings, and then um, I was signed with them for a while, and then I went to mini camp with them, and I actually got released before summer camp even started. So I wasn't with them for very long, um, at least played with them for very long, and um, so that was definitely short, and that was definitely um, tough. But then shortly after that, I signed with Montreal, and so I had life again. I had somewhere to to go, and then pretty much from from when I signed with Montreal, I was just training and, and getting ready to come up here. And how did you end up on the Alouettes radar? Um, uh, Charles just, uh, just kind of reached out to me and said, Hey, are you, uh, interested in, um, playing in the CFL? And I was like, yes, I want to, I'll go, I'll go wherever I want to play football. And, um, he's like, all right, we're, we're interested in you. They talked, got contact, contact with my agent, um, talked with Cavis and, uh, and the signing a couple weeks after that. Uh, short and sweet. That's the, that's the way we like it. Very, very <laughs> simple process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, once you got to Montreal, uh, what did you know about the, like, I know you spoke a little bit with uh, Brandon Zilstra before coming to Montreal, but uh, before that, what all did you know about the CFL, if anything? Um, I mean, I had a couple of people who I knew. So some of people who played at SCSU who had played in the CFL, I used to even play like a pickup game of basketball with a guy one time who played in the NFL or the CFL for a while. And so I mean, I talked to some certain people with it, uh, about it. And I didn't know the details. I didn't really know the, the, the different rules or anything um, until I actually signed with Montreal and started looking up videos and, and topic differences. Cool, cool. All right. And then uh, coming to Montreal itself, uh, obviously when you, you kept in the camp, uh, you 
obviously don't know what to expect being your first CFL camp. Uh, the number that you're wearing number now, number nine, actually belonged to a very prolific receiver, Ernest Jackson, who ended up being released from camp. Uh, at that point, did you feel, uh, you know, the Alouettes obviously saw something enough in you to give you the chance rather than uh, stick with a veteran. Uh, talk to us about how that made you feel as far as uh, your chances of making the team and being able to progress in this league. I mean, yeah, coming into the camp, I didn't know where I would uh, sit in the um, in the lineup and see if I'd have a chance or whatever. And, um, yeah, I guess throughout uh, training camp, I tried to kind of earn my way and uh, got an opportunity to, to start at the Y and uh, just tried to work every day and just kind of continue to progress and get better and had so many uh, great receivers to mentor me and help me and, and teach me. And then obviously uh, amazing coaches to, to teach me as well. So I think just trying to, to learn each day and get better um, kind of helped me with that. Now, obviously right. you have, you know, you've done very well in Montreal this year, but one thing I, I wanted to ask you about is, you know, be, being a, you know, basically being a, a rookie, a rookie pro, um, and your, your team has just gelled so much this year and it's, you know, such a, an exciting team compared to, you know, the couple of years past, but I just wanted to know, uh, from a player's point of view, what was your thought on how the season started for the Alouettes? I mean, I, Cliff and I have been watching this team for, for such a long time, Jake, and we don't think we've ever seen, at least for the Alouettes, a, 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 a coach get uh, fired before the beginning of the actual season itself. Was there anything that you as a player had to do to get ready from? I mean, you're going from one head coach to Kahari. Anything that you had to do differently to get ready for, uh, mentally for the season? Um, it was kind of crazy because, like, yeah, you hear like, that's a lot of that stuff kind of going out, but it's kind of just like a little bit outside. Like, I guess in a locker room, like, not, not much really changed. Um, we still had a lot of the, the same coaches, obviously, and uh, Kahari was already pretty much um, running the whole offense, and so it didn't really change too much for us. He obviously became the, the head coach and started running things differently just throughout the whole, maybe, but um. I mean, honestly, just kind of as offense, but not much change. And we kind of just still had to come and, and do our job. And uh, the playbook was still the same. Uh, so we just had to, to go out there and just continue to, to execute that. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't too big of a jump. But I think from the outside, people were thinking, like, oh, what is going on? It's a lot of, a lot of crazy changes. But on the inside, it really wasn't, wasn't too much. Okay. And obviously, as we've seen, it really it it hasn't really affected the team in any negative way, considering how, how, good, the, uh, how good the team is this year. Um, and talking about 2019, uh, we just, you know, we heard today that you uh, were the Alouettes nominee for rookie of the year. Uh, you currently lead the team in, in touchdowns. And also I think what's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, interesting too there, Jake, is that in, um, you were also named uh, runner up for the Jerry Rice award as the top freshman. So uh, any parallels between what happened then and, and you getting nominated this year for the Owls? Um, I mean, I think just uh, having my freshman year of college, I basically have been as a freshman, and then my rookie year now, I think I was just surrounded by so many uh, great teammates and coaches who so just kind of helped me, encouraged me, just uh, gave me confidence to just go out there and just uh, to play the best I could and to, to play my game and um, enjoy it. I remember my uh, my freshman year of college, I had an amazing team, first of all, but an amazing running back who took a lot of uh, pressure, another great receiver who took a lot of focus from defenses and uh, they didn't really know about me so that definitely helped and I think same with this uh, offense I and mean, we have so many weapons uh, so many different people to go to 
And so it just definitely is a, a playing field and just, just knowing that we have uh, so many different people to go to and you've got to do your job each play. And when the ball comes your way, uh, make, make the play. All right. Now talk to us about working with Vernon Adams. I mean, he's done, as far as we're concerned, a phenomenal job. I don't have to tell you just how how much he has impacted the Montreal Alouettes. But uh, talk to us about being a receiver, being one of his preferred targets. Like, how does how quickly did it that connection come about? Like the chemistry that you guys have together. How quickly did it take for you guys to to get on the same page? Yeah, so I mean, I've been watching uh, Vernon since college. I mean, I remember at Eastern Washington and then we hit Oregon and just watching them and. Just the things he was doing on the field, I guess, it was, it was amazing. Um, and then, so, I mean, he was one of the names that I knew. Um, I didn't know too many names in the CFL, and he was definitely one of the names I knew coming up to Montreal and just to get to see him and then start working with him. And uh, it's just been so much fun and just such a blessing to work with. Such a, first of all, such a great man, great leader, um, and then obviously a great player who comes every day to, to work and to lead. And the plays that he makes on the field, I mean, it's just a reflection of this, the work that he's put in and, and his preparation and just the way that he carries himself and, and leads his team. I mean, he's just so much fun to play with. And uh, like you said, I mean, he just he can get the ball to anybody. He can do so many different things. He can uh, make plays with his feet, scramble, extend plays, and, and makes a lot of uh, amazing throws. So I uh, definitely had so much fun playing with him this year, and uh, I love him. And by now, the way, talk, I, talk, I, I actually took away one of Jake's receiving touchdowns. I apologize, Jake. You have seven for the team, so I just want to make sure I gave you all credit for all touchdowns you caught this year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now, speaking of amazing throws, Jake, uh, you actually made one this past Saturday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Talk to us about throwing your first uh, your your first pass in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I didn't throw it as good as I uh, wanted to. Um, I kind of got in, things just kind of happened fast. Um, it's like I was going to throw it to actually Dante. I was going to throw it to him at first, and I saw Quan come wide open, and I threw it, and I didn't, didn't throw him very good, didn't throw him very far. He made a great catch on it, so I'm glad that he did that. Um, but I wish I would have thrown a better pass on the let score a touchdown. And, but uh, it was a great play by him to, to make the to make the catch. Hey, 100% completion rate. That's pretty good, my man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he went to his second read, not his first. He knew exactly what to do. It's tougher than I ever thought. Man, I got a lot of respect for the quarterback that making reads. Man, it happens quick. Yeah, but well, Jake, you also had, you also had a touchdown throw in 2017 in college. So it, you're you're a pro at yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had one. I had one in high school and one in college. So I thought I was going to get a touchdown on that game. I, I didn't throw it good enough. So. <laughs> Well, hopefully you'll get a chance to get to to hopefully repeat that uh, this Friday against the Ottawa Red Blacks mm-hmm. or even in the Eastern oh, final, definitely. Eastern semifinal. So you you still have definitely. you still have time, Jake. You still have time. <laughs> yes, sir. So we want to know what you think. I mean, we, we we know about you as a player on the field. We want to let the fans know a little bit about Jake off the field. Um, is there anything in particular that you like to do after you you've you know after you've uh, whether it be finished practice or whether you you finished a game itself and, you, and you're heading home? Well, what is it? What does Jake Winicky do to to just uh, to just chill and to and to settle down? So uh, actually, got married in May. Um, oh, congrats! Right before, actually, like a, oh, thank you, thank you. I got married like a week before. Uh, training camp or no, that's for mini camp and uh, my wife's up here and so definitely when I when I get done with uh, work I like to come home and uh, spend time with her and uh, we've definitely been enjoying uh, Montreal going to different restaurants uh, my wife has a food blog so we go to uh, different restaurants she always likes to take pictures and, and try new food so 
we've done that, seen a lot of places, and uh, definitely just trying to enjoy time together. Uh, enjoy being more and also just grow together. We've both been trying to, to grow a lot. We like to try to, try to read, uh, grow in our faith, spend time uh, reading our Bibles and different things, and we also like watching movies. And so that's, that's pretty much pretty much typical days and spending time with my wife and uh, reading, praying, and, and watching movies. Any particular movies that you like to watch, Jake? Um, I like going to the theaters on Tuesdays because it's cheaper. Damn. And then um, <laughs> we watch, watch things on, on Netflix, um, any particular movies. Yeah, I mean, are you uh, like a documentary um, guy? Do you like you like uh, action? Do you like uh, adventure? Do you like uh, drama, romance? So I like, I think I like action and adventure and different things. Um, I like comedy too. I like funny movies. But my, my wife, like... She likes to see me get scared, so she likes like thrillers and <laughs> and uh, scary movies, and and I I get scared pretty easy, so, so I always I always gotta gotta hold on. Sometimes she's like, I got a movie for us, and I gotta hold my breath, hope it's not a scary one. <laughs> <laughs> so is this a bad time of year for you, considering Halloween is this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't. I don't just scare people. Just like just scary movies. I think is really what gets to me. All my all my Halloween. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to us about being in Montreal. Like, like uh, I'm, I'm going to assume this is your first time being in Montreal itself. Uh, talk to us about living in Montreal, playing in Montreal. Talk to us about the whole Montreal experience for you thus far. Man, it's been amazing. I, mean, I, I heard some things coming up, like it's French speaking and, and different things. So it has a little bit of a, a European feel. And um, yeah, just coming here and just, just being able to see a, kind of a, a different culture, a very diverse city. Um, it's been it's been amazing. Uh, definitely, obviously, getting to, to learn a little bit of French and, and to see kind of that culture and uh, different uh, people, different uh, foods, and just places to, to visit. A lot of beautiful um, places to, to go see, beautiful churches to to visit. Um, definitely have enjoyed that, and just kind of just the community and the the, the city as a whole. Just a lot of amazing people, and I've enjoyed just just getting to know some people and. Uh, just see the CD. All right. And as a as a man of faith, have you had a chance to check out the uh, Notre Dame Basilica in Old Montreal? Yes. Uh, yeah. We, me and my wife, we, we have definitely gone there a couple of times. And my, my parents, they come to like every game. So uh, we've gone with them. And whenever we have uh, friends or family come to town, we like to show them around and take them to the uh, Notre Dame Basilica. Uh, to the, we go to the uh, St. Joseph Oratory. And there's a lot of a lot of cool things to see. Uh, I actually go to the St. Patrick's um, Basilica, which is right next to where I live. And that's another beautiful church. So there's just so many so many beautiful churches and a lot of great stories behind them of amazing things God's done. Um, so it's cool to to be able to see those and and take take our friends and family there. Now we we always ask uh, our guests Jake whether they've been here for a year, whether they have been here for many years. Um, we always ask them one specific food related question, and Cliff, I'm going to let you ask that question now. <laughs> All right, I, big question is. Can I ask the question. No, 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 no. Cliff, so, Cliff's going to ask the question uh, to you. All right. Uh, so, so our listeners want to know, Jake, have you tried poutine, and are you a fan of it? So yes, I do. I, I have tried poutine. And um, so I have one problem with it. The gravy. So I like I like all the things that I want. I like the gravy. I like the, the cheese. I like the fries. But my problem is that the, the gravy makes the, the fries soggy. And so I actually had it one time where I got it on the side. And, like, the fries were still crispy. And that's when I really liked it. But I think sometimes when, I, when the gravy is on it, it just kind of gets soggy. 
and then I don't like it as much. But uh, yeah, when the fries are crispy, I, I do like it. All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, one, one move I would suggest is just make sure you get the fries well done, and then the gravy will actually like you'll 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 still soak in, but it'll take a little bit more time, and you'll still get that that crunch factor that I think you're looking for. Okay, that's that's good to know. <laughs> Believe me, this, this isn't my first rodeo when it comes to puts in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. All right. And uh, what about uh, like when you're not trying puts in? Uh, are there any other uh, any other spots that we might be able to find Jake Winecki uh, food wise? Man, pretty much anything. So my wife she likes to try uh, a lot of different like countries food. So I mean, we've gone to a whole bunch of different things, uh, a lot of different like uh, either Thai restaurants, uh, Mexican restaurants, Cuban restaurants, African restaurants, uh, Ethiopian. Like it's just like so many different. Um, places that we've tried, uh, a lot of diverse different places. Um, trying to think of there's one place I go to a lot. I don't know. I mean, we, we do like to try different places. We've gone to a couple places, I guess, um, over uh, over and over, but most of these kind of just new places we like to try. So, I don't know. If you go out, you might see me somewhere. <laughs> somewhere somewhere uh, out of the norm, I guess. Well, that's the beautiful thing about Montreal is there are so many different restaurants, so many different types of food and things like that. There's, there's so much to try that you could go to a different restaurant or whatnot every day and still not hit all of them. Yeah. That's 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 the incredible part is there's just there's exactly. so much to try. <laughs> well, one thing we want to ask you, Jake, before we let you go, is that obviously 2019 has been a it's it's been a, a huge difference for the Montreal Alouettes when it comes to come to the team. The, the chemistry that you guys have, how exciting it is. The stadium is just absolutely electric when you guys play at home. Um, what 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 is it been like playing for the for the 2019 Montreal Alouettes? It's been amazing. I mean, I remember um, like before I came up, I was just looking at, like the record from last year, and people were asking me how the team was. I'm like, I'm not really sure. Um, and then just right right from day one, just kind of just seeing just the culture we had, just the players we had. I was like, man, this is this is a great team. And I just getting to 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 see throughout the season and just how we've grown, how we came together, um, how we've played, how we've been able to come out and, and win games and win some close games, and just had a lot of excitement. Um, it's just been been so much fun just coming to compete, just even just coming to practice every day and just the way that we compete. Um, it's just been been so much fun and. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what happens in the playoffs. As as are we. As are we. We're hoping. We're hoping. Fingers crossed. It will. We'll, we'll we'll see you whether it be the cold or the snowy tundra in Calgary by by year's end. But that would that would be a nice way to cap off your, your rookie season in the CFL. I'm sure. Man, sure would. It sure would. Um, before we let you go here, Jake, uh, if anybody were to follow you on social media, how would they do so? Um, my Instagram is a. Uh, Jake Winnicky, I think it is at Jake Winnicky, and I think my Twitter is uh, at Jake underscore Winnicky. Perfect. So if, if you haven't already here, fans, make sure you do give him a follow. Uh, Jake, we we greatly appreciate your time, man. I especially take it out of your out of your uh, out of your wife's time. Let's put it that way. We took your we took her time tonight. So. <laughs> But we really appreciate it. We, good luck to you for the rest of the season, and obviously good luck. It would be very nice to see you as the uh, Eastern nominee for Rookie of the Year. Our fingers are crossed, man, and uh, we hope to see you very, very soon. That would be awesome, and thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. The, the dude can he, he can easily become a superstar here in the CFL. Very easily. I, I have no doubt about that. Without question. He's, uh, 
he gets it. Like he wants to be a part of this. He he loves being here, and he knows he's got a great opportunity to make make a name for himself. And he's done a pretty good job so far this year. And yeah, that's the beautiful part is he's just getting started. Like there is a lot more to go, and there's a lot more of Jake Winecki where you found that. So I'm I'm very excited to see just how far this goes. Uh, and again, once again, congratulations to Jake for being named the uh, Alouettes. For, uh, Rookie or nominee for uh, most outstanding rookie for the Canadian Football League. I mean, wow. I mean, he he said it all. He did it. He's doing it all. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're definitely on board with you, Jake. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, let's go. Let's talk about this. I think you had the list there in front of you, Cliff. Those were announced today. And they're for me that I have a contention with uh, with one of them. Uh, you, I think you already knew this, mm-hmm. um, but let's go ahead and then and, and mention all the awards, uh, all the nominations from the Alouettes who they put forward for the uh, for the CFL year end awards. Okay, uh, one thing I do want to note though is I uh, remember a few weeks ago we actually at the midway point of the season I brought up the the suggestion to you to talk about who we thought yes. deserved to be nominated in that, yes. and so what I'd like to do is just kind of talk about that a little bit with. Uh, with these, now that we actually have the actual nominees for the awards, I'd like to sort of look back at what okay. we had suggested versus uh, what's rem- been. If you remember, <laughs> I've got a pretty good memory, so uh, yeah, if you can if you can remember, because I, dude, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, again, as we as, as we heard in the interview, uh, Jake Winecki is uh, the Elwes nominee for the, the most outstanding rookie. Yep. Uh, in a moment of uh, uh, not paying attention, I guess we'll call it. Uh, I. I thought it was good Quan Bray uh, because he's been pl- well again he's been playing phenomenal but unfortunately he has played in the NFL so that does disqualify him from the uh, the rookie uh, conversation Thank so you. that was that was my bad I, I didn't pay attention to that so uh, <laughs> he did, he but uh, Jake did, definitely he, is disappointing uh, yeah I, uh, you're not the first <laughs> and you won't be the last <laughs> but again I, I since Quan doesn't qualify, I, I I'm hard pressed to think of another nominee that uh, we'd be better than Jake Winecki. I mean, the kid has just been outstanding, uh, leading the leading the Alouettes in uh, touchdown receptions. Uh, you know, just the way he's connected with Vernon Adams, they found that chemistry almost immediately, which is great. And he's just he's really proven himself to be a, a true player. And as we said, he's just getting started. Like he can he's he's got nowhere to go but up. And I'm really excited to see just uh, how the rest of his season unfolds and just to see, you know, like just what's the store for, for next season and possibly beyond here with uh, with him in Montreal. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. For sure. I mean, as, as I said before, I mean, it's he can't in anywhere, he can, any, you know, just up, just up, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, next on the list is uh, most outstanding special teams player. Uh, the Alouettes nominee is Boris Bidet. Uh when we we did our midway point, uh, we kind of figured it was going to be uh, so. Well, I mean, we were kind of torn a little bit because you had mentioned about Shakir Ryan because of his outstanding play, even though he only played in a couple of games. I know, like, he did pretty outstanding, and again, not you weren't wrong uh, at the time too. too Bidet was uh, a little inconsistent, so that kind of I think kind of took him his name out of the running. But to his credit, the past few games he has been. As close to automatic as you can you can hope for with him. I mean, he hasn't been perfect this season. There's no question about that. But he has actually he's done the job. He's done exactly what's been asked of him. Like I, I'm, I, I can't honestly can't remember the last time he he missed a field goal attempt or a point after attempt. He's been pretty top notch the past I think few he's games. He's made sixteen straight. 
I had to yes. check the stats again, but it, it's you know it. Yeah, I I've been down on him before, and I you know I, I haven't had much to complain about him. So it's, but I do know there was it, the CFL was was um, was promoting it in their in in their notes and stuff like that. So it's mm-hmm. uh, I do know that he he has hit an X amount straight. So yeah, so I mean like he's been uh, again like. If you're going to catch fire, this is the time of the year to do it. So, kudos to Boris. I mean, he's definitely he, he's been a big part of the uh, the reason why the Alouettes are still very much uh, in the discussion of things. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, you you had thought Shakir Ryan. I thought uh, Jean Samuel Blanc because he's been pretty outstanding when it comes to special team tackles and just being a part of it. Because as we said earlier, Bede had been a little too inconsistent for our liking, but Bede's turned it around and. Uh, all the credit to him, Mike. So I'm 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 not mad at this selection at all, as far as special teams goes. No, I, I'm I'm pretty dead. I'm 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 fine with that one too. I, I, I it's uh, yeah. I'm f- funny to say it, but I have no problem. With, I have no problem with it. Yes, mark it down. Yeah. Uh, next on the list would be most outstanding offensive lineman, and that would be who we picked, Christian Matt, uh, because again, he has he really has done a phenomenal job. I mean, he took over for Luc Bredor Jodin when uh, LBJ decided to announce uh, his retirement, and now he's part of the coaching staff. Uh, but Matt had been pretty much the de facto center for the past couple of years, kind of as uh, first as uh, LBJ's understudy, but he's been get, as time has gone by, he has been taking more and more of the, set, the snaps at center, and he has really pulled together. Like This offensive line was atrocious over the past couple of years, but this year... Everything has come together, and I don't know if it's simply because uh, Luke is now part of the uh, offensive line coaching staff, and the guys trust in him and they believe in him, or if it's just simply a matter of now these guys are starting to blossom. Like these guys are now coming together; they're playing extremely well. Uh, Vernon Adams does not get sacked very often. Part of that is because he's very mobile on his feet and he can get out of almost any situation. But they've also been giving him a lot of time to make his reads and to actually throw the ball, which is phenomenal. And, of course, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. And Christian Matt has been doing an outstanding job of that. So, again, this is one of those selections where it seems like just like a done deal. Like this is definitely the the guy that should have been chosen. And yeah. I'm pretty pleased that he like we were pretty much on that same wavelength with the rest of the team. Yep. Yeah, for sure. No, I said no problem with this one either. Um it's uh, there's really anybody any other person that we that we could have chosen. By the way, uh, Boris Bede has made 15 straight. Ah, there you go. So I mean, he's he's doing the job, like, and that's that's what you want from your kicker is to make the field goals, make the point after attempts. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, that's what you're he's, he's quite a ways away from Lewis Ward, but still. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> that's he's got a he's got a long way to go for that, but. Uh, Again, again, once again, Boris has been doing. He's been doing the job. He's been doing a great job so far, and you can't ask for more than that. Exactly. Uh, next on the list is most outstanding Canadian. Uh, once again, we selected Hinak Mwamba, and sure enough, Hinak Mwamba is the nominee for the most outstanding Canadian. Yep. Uh, listen, I, we don't have to sell Hinak Mwamba on you guys. Uh, the guy, uh, the man, is just outstanding, flat out outstanding. He really, truly is. The way he commands respect the way he plays like he's intense he you do not want to line up against this guy because he is just he will eat you alive like that's that's the mindset that he has when he's on the field 
off the field, he's a teddy bear. He's just an absolutely wonderful guy to sit and chat with. Uh, I, I love taking a couple of moments and just, you know, shooting the breeze with the guy because he's just he's just so cool and so down to earth. But when when the bright lights are on and he's playing, you do not want this. He he will he will burn a hole in your soul. Like the stare that you get from this guy. And I mean, the fact that he's Canadian, bilingual. Uh, I mean, doesn't get much better than that. Like, as far as that most outstanding Canadian goes, you're not going to find it much better than Hinoch Mwamba. Yep, agreed. Next on the list is your uh, your point of contention that you were talking about yes, earlier. Yes. Most outstanding defensive player. We had selected either Greg Reed or Tommy Campbell at the time, at the midway point of the season. Uh, but the nominee ends up going to uh, Hinoch Mwamba again. And, well, I mean, listen... Hinak Mwamba, no I just finished talking him up. I mean, he is definitely an outstanding player, and he has definitely been, you know, one of the one of the major points of this defense. But I mean, there's almost there's almost no wrong choice to make when it comes to most outstanding defensive player because a lot of the players on this defense have been truly outstanding. So it's uh, it was a bit of a surprise. I think it, it kind of feels like a safe pick because I know, I know. I, I hope it just what just wasn't based off of stats. I mean, yes, if you put stats. Hinock is a head head when it comes you know to tackles, but he's not ahead in every single in every single category. That's the thing, and I think that's what kind of kind of irked me a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Hinock, then Patrick Levels, then Greg Reed, then Tommy Campbell when it comes to to tackles. I mean, yes, I understand that Hinock uh, and Patrick have over eighty, and Greg is only at seventy, but they also do play. A, they're not they're both in the backfield but greg is playing at a different i mean if if you're controlling the the, the ball the way you should as a as a db then greg doesn't have to worry about it his tackles won't be as high mm-hmm. you know no, you're, you're and, right and, I, I mean he had he was tied in the league for tied for the team with with three three picks that was also with tommy campbell um you know, he had, a, I don't think it shows how many sacks that he has, but he, he had, you know, he, we know he had at least had one, but we know he had more than one. <laughs> yes. So I, it's, I mean, it's, I, I, I kind of agree with you when I, when I hear you say that, uh, that Hinoch was the safe pick and it makes, it makes me want to, cause, and remind, and people should know, but remind everybody who makes these choices. It's, this one is made by the players. So it's made by, made by the players. Uh, the media also gets a, a vote as well, but, uh, like it, it, like the, these, mo- most of these come from the players as well. Like there's, uh, it, it's just an overwhelming sentiment as to uh, like a lot of these picks. Like some of them are unanimous, some of them are not. And again, like you, you, you ask these guys on defense, and they're all there for each other, and they would definitely no- nominate other people other than themselves. That's the impression I get from them, just in just their mindset and the way they they talk about the actual team atmosphere. Like, the, like they, they are all one. I mean, right, like, as right. I say, you could almost if, if you could nominate just like just say the most outstanding defense the player, defensive player is the defense like as a one collective unit. I'm sure that's what they'd vote for, because how do you choose one guy over the other? It's it, it's so tough. You're right. You can't just go simply based on tackles or, you know, even interceptions or or, or quarterback sacks or anything like that. It, it's such a difficult because who does all of that the best? Like who? Could you remove from the team and replace, and you see a difference in the play? Like, and I think that's how you have to look at it. when it comes to the most outstanding defensive player. Is if you took this guy away and substitute him with someone else, would that defense still be 
where you expect it to be. And that to me, that's what the, the, the benchmark should be as far when you, any position, really any of these awards is you have, that's what you have to ask yourself is who do you re- replace? And for me, yeah, it, it's very hard to replace a Hinoch Mwamba. I, I mean, we, we saw it this past Saturday. I think if oh, Hinoch yeah. was playing this game, Dane Evans would be on his butt a lot more than what he was. Yeah. I think he'd be, have a lot more interceptions than what he did. Yeah. I, I Again, I'm not saying that Hinoch is going to, uh, you know, he's the be-all, end-all of this defense. Like, that's this defense is just so talented and so deep that all the players that we listed, and many more, too, every pretty much everybody on this defense has contributed to the success of the Alouettes this year. There's not one player, as far as I'm concerned, that has really, truly stood out head and shoulders above everybody else. Like, they're all really good. And, yeah, to me, I just, I, I, I can't help but feel that picking Hinoch for this, uh, as, as he deserves it, but at the same time, it does feel a little safe. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would you have chosen him too? Or do, did you think it should have been Greg? Or do you think it should have been somebody else? Uh, I probably wouldn't have chosen him simply because, I, to me, it was, it'd be unanimous for him as most outstanding Canadian. Right. And if you're going to nominate, if someone's going to be a double nominee, they have to, to, as far as I'm concerned, they have to be truly, truly outstanding. And or your team will- really, really suck. There's that as well. And again, last year, I think uh, he was, uh, Hinoch was most outstanding defensive player, most outstanding, I think he was MOP, MODP, and most outstanding Canadian. Like, because the Alouettes were just a terrible team last year. Right. So by default, it was just, he, he was the one bright spot of that of that team. Right. So that, that made a lot of sense. But I mean, if you're going to have a double nominee, as far as I'm concerned, they, it has to be unanimous and it has to be, you, it has to be clear as day. And yeah, as far as the most outstanding Canadian, head and shoulders, Hinoch stands over everybody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to most outstanding defensive player, I can't say, and I'm not, it's not a criticism at all. I, I'm, I'm not putting Hinoch down by any stretch, but I can't say that he was head and shoulders better than any of the other defensive players. Yeah. He was good. He was very good, but they were all very good. That's the problem is. How do you choose one of these guys? Just one of these guys, and I think that's that's where the problem was. Uh, personally, I would have probably leaned more towards uh, a Tommy Campbell or a Greg Reed just for their overall play. Uh, again, uh, to me, uh, again, I'm not mad that he not got the got the nod, but at the same time, I just like to me, I just thought, okay, well, I would have just focused more on uh, most outstanding Canadian for him as opposed to most outstanding defensive player because he's been very good, but outstanding. I mean, yes, but again, everybody else was outstanding. Like that—that's the hard part. Like this was really such a tough call to make, and I'm pretty sure it had to been tough for everybody that was voting as well. Like when you take a look at the body of work that the Alouettes have done this year, especially on defense, when literally nobody was expecting this defense to be as good as what it was. How do you take one guy and say, "Yeah, this guy is better than him, 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 and him"? It—it's hard. I'm sure even for the players, it had to be tough. Like, oh man. Uh, yeah, Hinox's good, but Greg's good, and Tommy's really good, and Patrick has been amazing, and so on and so forth. Like, how do you, how do you whittle it down to one guy? That's that's the hard part, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I don't envy anyone who had to vote for this defense as to say, you know, to pick one of any of those outstanding players and say, yeah, you're the guy. You are the guy that we are making the nominee. That's that's tough. As I said, I do, I do not envy anyone who had to be a part of that voting process. And finally. Finally, the well, last but certainly not least, right. most outstanding player. This was a unanimous choice. You and I, we both agreed w- without question. Vernon Adams Jr. And sure enough, the unanimous choice by everybody who voted for this was 
Vernon Adams Jr. Yeah. And need I say more? I mean, the for what he has done, for everything that he has gone through, uh, again, you go back to the start of training camp when he was fourth on the depth chart. And we know it was politics. It was absolutely politics that kept him there. He didn't care. He didn't even focus on it. We talked to him during training camp. We we had we recorded the interview with him. Yep. If, if he was... Which you can listen to in the archives. You sure can. And I suggest you do because you learned a lot about him. And you learned that he wasn't about making excuses. He wasn't about complaining about his position or anything like that. He didn't care. He just w- wanted to come in. He wanted to work. And he wanted to prove people that he belonged and my God, did he ever do that this year? He proved everything that you and I have been saying to him about Vernon Adams Jr. He proved that he deserves the chance to be the man, and he has become the man. He is the quarterback that we've been looking for for years. The fact that we've had him four years, almost four years ago, and didn't know what to do with him, let him leave, is it hurts to think about it. But you know what? The past is the past. Vernon came in here. He did everything that was expected of him. He ate so much garbage to get to this point and it's been worth it. It's for him to have this level of success for him to be the unquestioned leader of this team. And you heard what Jake talked about during the interview. Yeah. He is the leader of this team undisputed. Like this team is Vernon Adams football team. You know, there's case closed. There's, there's no arguing this at all. And it just speaks to the work ethic for from Vernon's. The fact that he never gave up. He knew. He believed in himself. He bet on himself, and it's paying off now. And I tell you what, I am very much looking forward to seeing playoff edition of Vernon Adams Jr. because that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, real quick question to you before we talk about the uh, about the game this week um, and finish up the show uh, is. Uh, of all the players that were named for the Alouettes as our nominees, who do you think makes possibly makes it to the to the to the well to 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 the uh, to the award ceremony? I think Henock will definitely get in for the East. I think uh, as far as most outstanding Canadian goes, uh, I know there's a lot of other great great choices out there, but uh, I mean, if, if I had to pick one, I think Henock would definitely do it. I really and I really want to make a strong case for for Vernon as far as most outstanding player, but I, I think the way the wind is blowing right now, and just again, you, you saw this past Saturday, just how good yeah. he is. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I would really be stunned to see anyone other than Brandon Banks as far as the Eastern nominee is most outstanding player. As far as I'm concerned, I, it is Vernon. There is no question about that. But again, Brandon Banks did have a really good season, all things considered. Uh, to me, though, I. I don't know. It, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see just how the rest of the uh, the voting goes. And now that we know who the nominees are for all the teams, uh, as far as representing the East, uh, I definitely think one or two Alouettes will definitely be there. Uh, if I, again, if I had to put my on it, I'd probably say Henock for sure. And again, if, if somehow when it all when it's all said and done, if it actually is Vernon Adams as the East representative for most outstanding player, I'd be so thrilled. I'd be thrilled for him. But I know, I, I know from what I've got, we've gotten to know over Vern, with Vernon over the years, that won't be enough for him. That, that, I'm sure that didn't register for him. Yeah. As far as for him, it has to be Grey Cup. Like that's his goal. Like, and he's made it very clear. Like he wants to bring a championship to Montreal. Anything else that happens is just gravy. And in, I would say even including being nominated as most outstanding player. I'm sure he's yep. he's he thinks it's cool. I think it's great. But I think the end game for Vernon is the Grey Cup and. If he can accomplish that, yeah, go ahead. Give most outstanding player to uh, Brandon Banks. Knock yourself out. Yeah, uh, I'm going for a bigger prize. And 
that's again that comes down to the championship mindset that comes down to what we expect out of our quarterbacks here in montreal and vernon just gets it and again i i what, what more can we say that we haven't said already as far yeah. as how, how we feel about this guy yeah, exactly okay and um uh there were transactions there were a couple uh what were they all right well montreal added a couple of players to the uh the practice roster uh we have donald hawkins a offensive tackle from the university of texas this is a little bit of action in the nfl uh again as far as offensive tackles go uh with the injury to tony washington you can't have too much depth at that area so uh we'll see just how much uh, action he gets and uh, returning to the alouettes for his third time this season is Marcellus Pippins, uh, yeah, cornerback, <laughs> cornerback from uh, Washington State. Uh, again, he had a phenomenal training camp. Uh, really impressed, but couldn't hang on. Couldn't couldn't hang with uh, the team at the start of the season. They let him go. Brought him back a few weeks later. Stayed for a little bit. Let him go. And now he's back again. So maybe third time's a charm for Marcellus. So uh, again, just a good dude. A good follow on Twitter, by the way. Uh, feel free to check him out as well. And, of course, uh, when it comes to practice roster, if you're going to add people, more often than not, you're going to have to delete people. And I'm pretty disappointed in this release. Uh, uh, Justin Gibbons from uh, University of Aurora. Uh, we talked we talked about him uh, a few weeks ago when he was re-added to the practice roster. Yeah, and we saw uh, field, too. Yeah, uh, we had a chance to talk with him a little bit. Uh, he was excited to be back in Montreal. Uh, he was running with the ones uh, in practices and all that. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to see any game action, and I was pretty convinced he was actually going to make the trip to Ottawa this week and finally get a chance to show what he can do. But for whatever reason, the team decided to go in a different direction, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Justin is no longer with the Alouettes. It's unfortunate because I definitely think he's a phenomenal talent, uh, just a great guy on and off the field as well. Would have been nice for him to at least you know, show a little bit of what he can do, but uh, again, this—it's not our call to make. Uh, it is what it is, and uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe when the uh, you know when the when the season's finished, if uh, they can find a way to get this guy back on back on the roster for 2020, I think that'd be awesome because he definitely brings a lot to the table. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate he didn't uh, stick around. I, I, I definitely thought he would have been uh, a key addition, especially with some of the guys that were banged up on defense, but. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, best of luck, Justin, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back here next year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so the in the basically the meaningless meaningless game of the week, uh, you have the uh, the Owls traveling to play the uh, the Ottawa Ottawa Red Blacks uh, on Friday evening. Um, I'm trying to, and I'm missing them, uh, and the. The Alouettes going in because we don't what we don't know who's going to play. We don't know who's going to start. We expect Vernon to start, but we don't know how long he's going to play. But the Alouettes are st- the favorite currently by nine and a half points, and they uh, the over under is fifty one points. Um, I, I see that I can't I don't know where to go with that because as I said, it's we don't know who's playing. Wow, the, wow, the, it's gone been as high as ten and a half points actually. Oh my, yeah, it's been as high as ten and a half. You know, well, well, we know that Dominique Davis is going to be the starting quarterback for the Red Blacks. We know that much. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. The Red Blacks have pretty much said they they started the season with Davis, and I guess they're going to end the season with him. Uh, after trying a couple of different quarterbacks uh, out, they they've gone back to Davis and uh, see what they can do to get this uh, sputtering offense of theirs going. If if anything, uh, I think the one advantage they will have is Montreal. I think will definitely be very cautious in this game. Uh, again. 
Will Vernon Adams play? If the coaches let him, he, he, he made it very clear to me. He wants to play this game. He's got he, – he, he's motivated. He wants those 10 wins. He wants to get those 4,000 yards. He wants to prove once again that he belongs – like, he, it, that, that's what's amazing is he still feels like he has something to prove. And that's great. He doesn't want to rest on his laurels. He like he could just as easily say, you know what, I got to be ready for the Eastern semifinal. Let's let, let Chelsea have the reps. Let Pip have the reps. No, he he wants to go and he wants to play again. He may not play the entire game, like just like last Saturday, and he let uh, he he was uh, I don't want to say benched, but he was uh, asked to step aside for Matthew Schultz to get some valuable reps. And again, I got a feeling that both, all three quarterbacks are definitely going to get see some playing time. Uh, to me, I mean, I just. Uh, uh, for any of the other positions go, I mean, we, we don't know who's going to play. We don't know if, uh, like, Stanback was off last week, so maybe he'll get a few reps this week. And Jeremiah Johnson takes over the rest. And then Christopher Moa might get some reps in and running back as well. Uh, a few of the other players, too. Uh, I don't know how much playing time John Bowman's going to get, if any. Uh, it's it's a tough call. like Because, yes, you you got to play this game no matter what. It, it, it was scheduled... Maybe in a perfect world, this would have some sort of playoff implications or something like that. But this really is, by and large, a glorified preseason game. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're still going to watch, though. <laughs> of course we're going to watch. We're going to watch. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. Because, again, it, you think about it. Like, this is the last regular season game. This is the last Friday night football game. Friday night football is I won't. Sorry. I won't do that again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But that's it. Like, like now we're getting, we are in the crunch time. Like this is like starting next week. Everything is amplified, but we've got to get through this game first. And Red Blacks fans have to get through this game and God bless them. Like they're, <laughs> they're going to have to go and uh, try and fill TV place one more time. And, you know, I, I'm sure they're hoping to just come away with a, you know, some sort of feel good moment. But I mean, like this Red Blacks team has really been through the mill. Wow, it's it's been tough, and I just don't know how. I, I'm really curious to see just how Montreal is going to approach this game because, yeah, you want to you want to get those ten win, you want to get that ten win plateau. You don't want to be a nine and nine team because that's not impressive. Yeah, in this day and age, like, you want to be in the positive, and for Montreal to be in the positive for the first time since 2012 is a major feather in the cap. And just because you're playing the Redbacks doesn't mean you're guaranteed a win, even though like what they're losers now of what nine straight, something like that, something stupid. I, I, uh, interestingly enough, I think the last time they won was against Montreal, was it not? I'd have to go back and check. Well, in any event. In any event. <laughs> that's not important. But uh, again, like I, I just want Montreal to come into this game with that mindset that, yeah, we've got to we've got to put on a show. We've got to we still got to let everybody know that we are here to compete. We are here to make noise in this division and just remind everybody like, hey, this Elwood's team is for real. But at the same time, you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to risk injury for a game. Once again, that means absolutely nothing in the standings. It, it's you're playing this game strictly for pride. Or if you're one of these, uh, one of the backups looking to further establish yourself and make a name for yourself, so that come 2020 at training camp, they remember, oh yeah, this kid really balled out during that last game of the season, just exactly. like Greg Reed did last year yeah, yeah. in Hamilton. He had a phenomenal game, and look where he is now. Look yeah. where look look how how quickly he rose up the food chain here in Montreal. And I want to say not necessarily just because of that one game. I think a couple games before that he was starting to make his mark, but that last game against Hamilton, Greg Reed really proved himself to be 
like you got to see what the potential was of this guy and he just needed a chance. He just needed that opportunity to get on the field and get some meaningful reps. And I want to believe that there's a lot of players like that in Montreal's lineup that give them the chance. They'll shock you. They'll surprise you. And they just may be a big part of the conversation once training camp opens next June. Yeah. It's, as I said, it, it's a meaningless game, but still there are, I think to me, there are, there are a lot of things that, that, uh, uh, that a few of the players want to, want to accomplish. So it's, uh, uh, you know, get in there, get get the, uh, you know, Will Vernon get his, his 4,000? I don't know. We'll see. He needs 184 yards, so it's it'll be tough. But, you know, we'll hey, see. A couple, couple of long bombs, and he's done that before in Ottawa, so uh, you know what? who knows? I know, but the main thing is, dude, let's just get out of there healthy, and let's move on to, let's move on to play the, uh, the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, that's, and like I said, this this is part of the struggle is, yeah, you want the team to do well, but you also want everybody to stay safe and be ready for Edmonton as opposed to being ready for Ottawa. So, yeah, I, I, I again, I, I just, I, I'm all for letting Vernon try to get that 10th win at least. If he can get the 4,000 yards, beautiful. That That's great. But again, it's, the important thing is get in there. Do what you got to do and come home safe. That's that's all we can ask for this Alouettes team. Exactly, exactly. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us this week. We also want to again want to thank uh, Jake Winnicky uh, for joining us on the pod. Uh, love having these players and getting their insight on on the team and and, and their, their history and stuff like that. It's really cool to see. Um, yeah. Don't forget the game is on Friday, um, and then from there we move on to the uh, to the postseason for the first time, and then quite a long time so let's enjoy it so um we will be back again next week we and we also look forward to seeing all of you here next week as we talk about the playoffs the playoffs the playoffs and the road to the great cup so for everybody here at the lois flight deck for cliffy d i'm tim capper run final approach Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.